Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. And I go by the name Q Ward most of the time. Yes, indeed. Uh, back up in you one more again. Feeling real good this week. Black History Month. A lot of good things going on in the world of Civic Cipher and Q Ward and Ramses Ja. And it's all because of you, our listeners, uh, supporting us. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we don't need to brag about it on air. Check the social media, but suffice it to say, the show is growing and we are reaching more people and it's because of your it's, support. So it's thank because you. Of y'all. It's because of y'all. Because of y'all. <laughs> bling, bling. That's all I got to say. Bling, bling. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Q and I, to be, Q and I, we have a lot of inside jokes, but that's because we spent so much time together. But the, the source that we pull from more often than not is a stand-up special by Jamie Foxx called I Might Need Security. If you listen to the show every week, Please watch Jamie Foxx. I might need security because then you'll get a lot of these inside jokes. But we don't we don't we don't dwell on them because not, we have a lot of stuff to get to. He did not pay us for that endorsement, but it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's it's good for your spirit. Anyway, be sure to stick around because we do have a lot to cover today. Um, we're going to do something we don't really do very often, and that's really plug in to one person, one stream of consciousness, one school of thought that we really feel is timely and pertinent and necessary and enlightening at least for me I, I i'm sure that q would agree that there's some things that even cube learns um and he goes by the name of dan price it's not even from our world he's from the business world but we're gonna we're gonna discuss a lot of interesting points that he makes and we're also going to focus for our way black history fact on Sidney Poitier. We didn't get a chance to discuss him until today, so we're going to definitely do that. The late great. The late great, yes, indeed. Um, But first, like we always do at this time, it's time for some Ebony Excellence. How does that sound, Q? Sounds fantastic. I love that we start the show with Ebony Excellence because a lot of times our topics are weighty they take a lot of a lot from us sometimes emotionally and to kind of start and we kind of start and end on a high note the way black sometimes has some weight as well yeah but it, it's it's historic uh precedence and, and importance i think you know gives it a little bit of of lift as well yeah it just shows kind of where we've come from but i digress so today we're talking about a young man named archie green who is the founder of Peel Dim Layers Back, PDLB. That is a Cleveland, Ohio nonprofit designed to help black male youth with their mental health. Um, he was a diagnosed with depression and he uses his platform as a hip hop artist to share stories about trauma, depression, anxiety, relationships, and fatherhood through music. He launched his nonprofit in 2016 and a program called Cope Dealers Initiative for high school counselors and teachers identify juniors and seniors who have had behavior and anxiety challenges and could benefit from a program focused on their mental health. Um, And he, his position is that African-Americans often face barriers when accessing quality mental health treatment because of racism and limited access to culturally competent mental health professionals. And that is according to Mental Health America. You can find out more about him at pdlb.org. Once again, his name is Archie Green and the company is called peel them layers back and the reason i wanted to hit on this briefly is because and we'll talk about this we have seen recently a lot of black men and women 
end their lives prematurely and deliberately. And historically, that's not been a thing that we've had to, as a community, we've really had to deal with. And more and more as time progresses, we're seeing it happen more often. And so eventually we'll have the time to talk about it. But for now, if you want to you know, support or even know a little bit more about this initiative, again, it's pdlb.org. So big shout out to Archie Green. That is some ebony excellence for you. Now, time for Cleveland, Ohio as well. Yes, one time if you don't mind. Okay, so Dan Price. Dan Price. I'll be honest. Dan Price is, he's a new person in my world. Um, he's very active on Twitter. He's just a, and he's a businessman. Um, but I'll try to paint a profile for you. Um, now, this isn't about him per se, but some of the points that he makes, because this stream of consciousness is, when, when I came across it, I shared it with Q. You remember when I sent it to our group chat? And there was so much content there that we early on made it a point to block out a show to really talk about some of these things, just to discuss them, to share them. And, you know, maybe you're on Twitter and you've seen this, maybe not, but we're going to try to make it breathe a little bit more. Um, so a little bit about this person um, and uh, who he is and how he came to be. So, he uh, started a company called Gravity Payments um, about six years ago, and he made news. I remember hearing about this, but he made the news for raising his company's minimum wage to 70000 a year. Uh, Fox News called him a socialist whose employees would be on breadlines. And since then, his revenue has tripled. Um, the business is a Harvard Business School case study, and the employers had a 10 times boom in homes bought um so and in on his twitter profile he says that he's a ceo just trying to stand up for the underdog um again his, his handle is at dan price seattle i implore you to follow him and plug in because there's a lot of stuff not just the stuff we're talking about today um and he just is, seems like a good human being um who money and success has not corrupted and it's amazing to see because so often we see folks, the more money they get, the more conservative, at least fiscally, you know, uh, they become. And this guy seems to be a kind hearted person who really does share and really does try to build uh, people who have a tougher go at things in this country. Um, real quick before we go on uh, earlier for our Ebony Excellence uh, segment, uh, I pulled that content from the Atlanta Black Star, if you wanted to check out more on that. Um, again, this current segment uh, where we're talking about Dan Price, I just pulled it from his Twitter. So we're going to talk about it. So the first uh, thing that he shared, uh, the first slide in this stream of consciousness, I shouldn't even call it that, but we're, we're, we're here now. So we're going to roll with it. The first slide that came across uh, my way that Q and I discussed was um, him writing as follows. And he's white, by the way. All right. He says, compared to white people, black owned homes are devalued by 23%. Black owned homes property taxes are 13% higher. Bank fees are two times higher for black people. Black people with no criminal record earn 10,000 less than white people with the criminal record. 
that's just the beginning, dot, dot, dot. So we're going to go through each one of these slides one by one. But that first one is crazy, right? But the crazy, the craziest part about it is we've talked about these, some at length, but all of these things that we've talked about um, on the show before. Um, and, and one recent one that, that comes to mind is uh, the, the couple, I believe they were in Northern California, who got an appraisal on their house. And then uh, they went through and they had like some friends stand, if I remember correctly, effectually, this is what they did. They got some friends to stand in while, while the appraiser came, a new appraiser came. Uh, they changed all the pictures in their house. So they took all their family pictures down and they put like white pictures on the wall. And then uh, the new appraiser gave them an extra half a million dollars in equity on the property, right? So what Dan Price says here, like right out the gates, compared to white people, black owned homes are devalued by 23%, um, which jives with a story, a case study that we made on the show. Go ahead. And when it comes to, to housing prices, 23% is a massive amount. Like the number of 23% when you're comparing it to 100 doesn't sound like a lot. But if you have a half a million dollar home, you're talking about a hundred thousand dollar difference in price. That's yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we talk about wealth because in in many, in fact, the majority of instances, there is a direct correlation between the amount of wealth might throw folks off. So how about we say income um, or money, you know, the amount of money and opportunities, um, pitfalls, you know, there's a correlation there. Um, and oftentimes in this country, money follows the color line. And so, you know, we, we make a, we make a, a point on this show to really discuss how we treat each other. Um, certainly how black folks are treated by non, by, by white folks. Um, but, you know, we, we're all here together. You know, we do have to make points sometimes when black people are wrong and saying racist things. We have to we have to stand up against that the same as we would against anyone. But for the most part, you know, this, there's systemic uh, institutions in place and we and and they are relics of white supremacy, not even really relics, because there are still active contributors to these systems. Um, and not all of them come from the Republican Party, if I'm honest. But, um, you know, the point is that we, we have to have these conversations about how we treat each other. But there is also something to say about capitalism. We have this conversation all the time. And now, whether or not you are a fan of capitalism or, you know, whatever is beside the point. Certain things are just a natural byproduct of capitalism. There are byproducts of socialism. There's byproducts of communism, Right. So we just talk about those. And to be fair, we do beat up on capitalism quite a bit. Um, I don't think either of us are huge fans of it, but in the same way, we're not huge fans of a lot of things. It's just kind of what we were born into. Go ahead. I think a, a reason that we have uh, such tilted views and the audience can't see me tilting my hand downward, <laughs> such tilted views with regard to capitalism is that some of the byproducts are actually requirements. Yeah, like there's yeah. some byproducts of socialism that requires for everyone to kind of lift everyone else. 
which is not that awful a byproduct when you say it out loud the way I just said it. There's a there's a way you can frame that different and make it seem like, you know what I mean? There are people in, intentionally doing nothing to weigh us all down kind of thing. But there's some requirements of capitalism that are that's it's more required than a byproduct. Capitalism can exist unless part of the population has nothing. That's that's a requirement, not a I'll, byproduct. I'll make a point for you. Um, one of the things that blew my mind is that in order for capitalism to function optimally, there has to be some unemployment to keep wages low. That means that everyone doesn't get a job. Some people need to be unemployed so that wages will stay low. And if the if a system is framed around that, that concept, let's keep wages low. And some people will have to go without a job. If, if you have a, an, a, an economic system framed around that, I believe that morally we've, we've started on the wrong foot. With that said, I'm not saying I'm a bigger fan of anything else. I just, you know, we have to work with the system that we're given. And so we will. All right, I'll move on. The next slide. Um, this again, Dan Price Seattle. Uh, at Dan Price Seattle, if you want to check this out for yourself on his Twitter feed. Black college grads have 50% less wealth than white high school dropouts. Say that again, please. Black college grads have 50% less wealth than white high school dropouts. Now, this is an average. You know, this is, you know, I'm a, I'm a college grad and I know a lot of white dropouts. Don't apologize, sir. Read those <laughs> I, you know, I, a spoonful of sugar, a little bit of honey. Read those statistics as they are written. Do not okay. apologize okay. and do not try to frame it and give it some type of lighter moral compass. Okay. Read that as it's written because it's staggering. Listen, listen, it's your show, Q. Uh, yes, sir. Black college grads have 50% less wealth than white high school dropouts. And then I'll just leave that there. This, again, from a white man who is successful with a successful business and obviously a huge Twitter following and uh, online presence. Um, the next uh, point in this slide, the 10 counties most audited by the IRS are 79% people of color. The black-white homeowner gap is bigger now than it was in the year 1900. And finally, for this slide, in the pandemic, black-owned businesses closed at twice the rate. So further illuminating that, you know, there are really two different Americas. I think that, uh, you know, there's a reason why you had such a reaction to the black college grads having 50% less wealth than white high school dropouts, not just because, again, the point makes itself that opportunities follow the money, right? And what we're seeing is a cycle. We're, we're you know, there's, there's, we, we can go to the government and appeal to the government and say, hey, we want to drink out of the same water fountain. And, hey, we'd like to use the same bathroom. We'd like a little bit of dignity. We'd like to be able to go to the same schools. We'd like access, you know, in that way. But not enough can be said about money, 
not just money to pay for opportunities, but money to live healthy, productive lives, money to have the mental freedom and fortitude to take advantage, to even conceive in the first place of opportunities. For those of you listening to our voices tonight or today, whenever you're listening, um, it might be easy to imagine, might not be, but we will be the ones to tell you. Q is from Detroit, not the good side of town. <laughs> Let them know where you're from, Q. I'm from a small town in Michigan. <laughs> uh, it goes by the name of Detroit. Some people even call it Motown or the Motor City. Tell them about that street. What's that number? And uh, I grew up on a very, very prominent uh, road, uh, affectionately known as Seven Mile. Okay. So if you don't know about Seven Mile, do a little bit of homework. You'll find out. And then I will add to that, that I was born in a place called Compton, California, a place that in most instances needs no introduction. And... What I want to suggest by saying this is that there's a great deal of hopelessness in those communities. And there is a sense of this is the whole world or otherwise this is the world that I'm allowed to experience. To, to think of something that exists on TV in your own life is it may as well be thinking of like, like the same way you would think of a cartoon, you know, cartoon characters run faster, jump higher. They, you know, they have the same hair every day, whatever it is you think, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's cool to see it. You're aware that it is something that you could imagine, but it's not real. Um, so these numbers, these sobering numbers, they're not necessarily sobering for people that live this life, but you know, if you're listening to our voices and, you know, maybe you didn't know these things. Um, this is the reality of the situation. Um, it, it certainly jives with everything that we know to be true. Um, all right, so I'll move on to the next uh, slide here. All Black Americans combined have half of the wealth of the nation's richest 400 people. I'll say it one more time. All black Americans combined. That's Jay-Z, Beyonce. That's everybody that you ever met in school, their parents, <laughs> their grandparents. You know. One more time, Q. Oprah. Oprah. Yeah, all of them. Jordan. All the, all yeah, the, name all them. the Pick a very, name. very black people you can think of them too. But not just them. You know, the people you've never met, people that you see at the bus stop, people you see at the grocery store, people you see at Walmart, pe people might be driving in traffic next to you if you're driving while you're listening to us. If you see a black person, add their wealth in as well. Every single black person in this country combined, they have half the wealth of the nation's richest 400 people. Just not, just not the same wealth, half the wealth. Just of to those give you guys some further context there are about 42 million black people in america all of them put together including the richest black people that you've ever heard of 
make up half the wealth of the nation's richest 400. Now, you said 42 million black people? Million. And then there was half the wealth of 400? Of 400. So, let me add something right here. I know, this is not me trying to sugarcoat anything. I know that you can make a lot of, you draw a lot of conclusions based on how rich the rich are and how regular the rest of us are. Um, But when you're talking about this many people in these type of circumstances, it certainly does help frame the importance of wealth and how it is unevenly distributed. So much so that a lot of the uh, issues, uh, at least a lot of the issues that have kind of run rampant, um, you can see like, well, the resources aren't available to fix them because the resources are with these handful of people over there, right? Um, I think that might be another strike against capitalism, but I'll move on. The rest of this uh, third slide here says the average inheritance for white families is three times that of black families. And then uh, the last point of this slide says, relatedly, black families have $166,000 less wealth than white families, a bigger gap than before civil rights. So since the civil rights movement, uh, the gap has widened between white families and black families in terms of wealth. All right, I'll move on. Let's talk about school. College is not an equalizer. I think we established that in the second slide. College is not an equalizer. Black college grads have $25,000 more student debt than white grads. I don't even know how that's possible. Actually, you know what? I I still own student loans, so let me, (laughs) I guess I can see how it's possible. But, you know, uh, black college grads have $25,000 more student debt than white grads. White millennials with a degree have 10 times higher net worth than black grads. And 20 years after graduating, the median white grad owes 5% of their student loan balance and black grads owe 95%. That's after 20 years. So that means that white graduates are paying down, dare I say, able to pay down their student loans. Um to 5% after 20 years and black folks are still wrestling with basically the, the, the entirety of it, 95% after graduating 20 years after graduating. Um, and I, I don't know if the, this, uh, person, Dan price, um, the CEO of the company, the person who like listed these, which by the way, all of his sources are there as well. I don't know if he's a college grad or not, but, um, he seems very passionate about this and he doesn't, he seems unafraid to share these, these statistics. And I think that we need more of that. You know, um, there, there's nothing to be afraid of here. If we identify the problem, we can work on it. We're all in this together. That's my take at least. All right. Um, I'll move on. The electoral college's lopsidedness gives the median black voter 16% less power than the typical white voter. Now I, I remember seeing something like this on Netflix. They did a special on the election. This was sometime last year um, when uh, like maybe October ish or whatever. 
um, it's still there. I don't remember the name of it, but they talked about the vote, the weight of a vote of a white uh, conservative vote, male vote in Wisconsin compared to like a black vote in Los Angeles. And that white vote in terms of the actual impact is so much more significant. And it's just because of the electoral college. So it's effectively is telling us that it punishes black folks. It's it disenfranchises, you know, black black and brown people and and other marginalized people and favors, you know, white men in terms of the outcomes. Uh, Black workers get unemployment benefits at half the rate of white workers. And since the Civil War slash slavery ended, black families went from having 0.5 percent of all wealth uh, to 1.5 percent. So that is some gain, but remember they went from, uh, that was after slavery ended. So they've, we've gained one point since the, the civil war, um, when effectively black folks had nothing. So we still have nothing. We have relatively speaking, still nothing. And we make up a huge amount of the population. And then I'll make this last point. Black people are four times more likely than white people to be arrested for marijuana and, Black sons of families in the richest 1% are arrested at the same rate as white sons of families in the poorest third. And finally, black students are two and a half times more likely than white students to be arrested at school. And unfortunately, we have to move on. Stick around your radios. We're coming back with more Civic Cypher right after this.